Hello and welcome to the Casual Anime Podcast for the 26th of January 2018. I'm as usual your host, Frederick, and with me as usual is Karsten. Hello, hello, hello. And today's topic is uh, Princess Mononoke, or Mononoke Hime. And I think we're going to take it slow today, because there's a lot to unpack, and I really want to do this film justice. Yeah, then, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I thought we'd just touch on uh, a little uh, fun thing, at least I noticed when I turned this film on. Uh, the very first screen. Miramax Entertainment. Harvey Weinstein's company. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think he just uh, has the distribution rights for the Western... Uh, for the Western audience, so he's probably responsible for the dubbing. I haven't heard this dub, though. Have you? Uh, no. Uh, it's uh, two dubs. Oh, it's two? Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, that's probably uh, like the one that came out uh, in 97 and maybe one later, right? Yeah, I think so. Yes, okay. Well, they're probably both bad, but uh, <laughs> who knows? Well, actually, while we're at this topic, um, did you notice something with the voice actors for uh, the two main characters? Uh, no, not uh, specifically. Because I don't think they sounded uh, like normal Japanese voice actors. And I think that's because they're mostly actors. I think they're actors in, like... Uh, live-action shows and so on and so forth. I think they're just hired for their name to attract uh, a different kind of audience. Oh. Well, it's a very major film uh, yeah. previous to the usual uh, Studio Ghibli movies. <laughs> I think the word you were looking for is mature. Mature, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> we should uh, make an English podcast. Well, probably not. Uh... Yeah, well, I think uh, I think it's like uh, when Kristen Bell dubs uh, Frozen or something. They just get a mainstream act- actor or actress to uh, voice some roles in these big uh, blockbuster animes to try to attract a different kind of audience, too. I think that's why they sound a little different. But I don't know. That's just my yeah, guess. Maybe. Um... We should probably give a brief summary, right? Uh, <laughs> do you want to give it? Or should, should I? Uh... Yeah, probably you. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, this will be yeah. brief. So, um, our main character, Ashtaka, is some kind... I think he's like the village prince or something. He's a prince of some small... Uh, small village in the <laughs> hidden in the leaves, kind of like Naruto, but just a lot smaller. And uh, one day his village is attacked by uh, this cursed demon, which turns out to be a boar, a gigantic boar. And uh, in order to kill it, he he gets uh, himself infected by the curse. So now he gets told by the village shaman that he has to go uh, on some long soul-searching journey and retrace the boar's footprints to find out where this curse came from and if it's any chance of lifting it. 
and so he leaves. And uh, on his journey, he basically encounters a, I would call it a war between uh, nature and the animal side of nature and uh, the more industrial side of uh, Japan, which started. Uh, I wouldn't call it mining ore. Uh, what's what's the process called again? Well, smelting. Yeah, they're smelting iron ore uh, or iron sand, and they're <laughs> having an, a huge uh, toll on the environment. So this is basically uh, one giant uh, clusterfuck where uh, humans and animals go head to head. Um, yeah, basically the fight between uh, the animal gods and the new wave of technology, I would call it. And so Ashtaka has to find out which side he wants to stand on and where his morals lie, and I think that's basically it without spoiling the ending, which we're going to get to later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I think we're going to start with uh, the obvious, right? The main character, Ashtaka. Yeah. Uh, he's not Link the average. Yeah, he's not the average um, Ghibli protagonist. Because, one, he's male, and two, he's not useless. <laughs> yeah. Or he doesn't start off useless. He is very skilled at what he does. Yeah, uh, throughout the uh, movie, he doesn't evolve anything. He has uh, very good uh, bow skills and sword skills all around. Yeah, and it's kind of like uh, basic Darwinism. Like uh, he he is uh, as skilled as he is because, or his village prospers because he is as skilled as he is. He has uh, had to learn to be this skilled. Has have to learn to ride this uh, weird elk animal. He has to learn to shoot a bow and uh, be a leader. Uh, yeah, leader figure. He's very important to his local community. So um, I think that's I think that's a new take at least. Um, I don't think there's any useless characters in this film. Or, well, the, the one he saves uh, in the woods is kind of useless. Well, he's not a main character. Yeah. And uh, he did also get attacked by a wolf, right? Yeah. So um, everyone here is highly capable. All the main characters are highly capable. Um, yeah. And he has to leave his village because he has been cursed. And that in itself I find a little stupid do you like uh, well in in that time they thought of uh, you know spirits and evil and well I think I think spirits are highly real here because they do have an enormous impact like uh, and we see them in the flesh too these spirits yeah and they, they're telling him to go east or yeah, I think it's east. Uh, west. West. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Direction isn't that important because we don't see a map of anything. 
Yeah. But in this case, it's merely a plot contrivance. Like, it's meant to drive the plot forward. He needs to leave so that uh, the story can move on. And therefore, he has to leave. And he isn't allowed to say goodbye to anyone. Because that's clan rules, apparently. <laughs> so, without any hesitation, he just cuts off his hair and leaves in the night. Yeah, and what do you think about the haircut thing? Do you think it's an analogy for something? I think it's like a symbolism for something like you leave yeah. or starting anew, starting afresh. Uh, but I know the samurais were very touchy about haircutting because I think it meant that someone was close enough to them that they could have killed them if they managed to cut their hair. So this was a sign of shame. So I don't know how this fits into that narrative. Because there's certainly samurais in this film. Yeah. We're in feudal Japan. And his uh, sister came, came to, uh, comes to say goodbye. I don't think it's his sister. You don't think? No, I think they. I think he calls everyone sister. I think they call, or all of the females in his clan are his sisters. I think. Okay. Yeah. So I think I think it's his fiance because of what she gives, and because he gives it, or he gives the gift that she gives him to uh, sound later. And I think there's some deeper meaning in that. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't you think so? I think it's like kind of a wedding gift, right? Uh, he's gonna leave for good. And then... He has probably given her this... Uh, uh, this beautiful dagger she can wear around her neck. And then she returns oh. it to him before he leaves. And then he gives it... So the next woman he falls in love with. <laughs> well, it felt more like uh, it was her knife, and uh, okay, ma okay, maybe maybe too. it's maybe it was her knife, but I think it's some kind of a symbolism for yeah, a marriage ring or yeah, because he's never gonna see them again, which well... is kind of weird. And yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it, at the end, it's because I would have thought when the curse was lifted, he could have returned, but he has no intention of returning. I think. No, he wants to live in the iron town. Yeah, in the iron smelter, and he doesn't want to live in the forest with uh, Sal either. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we should <clears throat> move on on his journey, because on his journey, he meets a lot of interesting people. Yeah. Uh, I think the local lord is a bit of a dickhead and is uh, harassing the local farmers <laughs> and sending his uh, samurais after them, killing people. And he accidentally gets uh, caught up in this. Yeah. And he has to murder some samurais in good old-fashioned style. <laughs> uh, well, it's his hand that murders them. The curse. Uh, no, it isn't. 
Okay. You can't go blaming the curse. He was gonna shoot the arrow regardless, right? Yeah, but it's his hand that makes the makes it so powerful that yeah, that uh, he shoots the arms of uh, he shoots the arms of people. He decapitates people. Yeah, and uh, those were some great scenes. Yeah, basically, he just uh, shoots an arrow. A head comes flying off, and everyone becomes so afraid that they just leave him alone. Yeah. <laughs> in most situations, at least. And they're chasing a monk. Yeah, but they should, probably shouldn't have done that, because I'm pretty sure that person could have turned the table on them. Yeah. Uh, so we should probably talk about it. Yeah. Jigo, his name yeah. is. Uh, pot-bellied, uh, fat, not very attractive, um, but apparently has insane people skills, I think. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, familiar with the Emperor. Yeah, and we don't know this initially. But no. There are a few signs to tick us in that he might actually be kind of dangerous. What do you think? What was your first yeah. impression of him? Do you think he was just a like a, com a comedic relief character? Yeah, or... yeah, that was my first. Uh... Yeah, and that was mine too. But uh, I think the signs are pretty clear to see <laughs> because he's extremely smart. He's extremely shady, uh, and he has like this. Uh, implication that he, give, he drops this tiny hint that uh, yeah it was a good thing you killed them so I didn't have to or something Yeah, he says something along that vein and he also balances on these insane sandals <laughs> like how does he walk on them how does he run on them like if he's able to do that he has to be has some incredible skills which he demonstrates later and which also should have cued us into that this was no normal man. Yeah. Yeah, but it was... I think he had a pretty solid introduction, at least. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> um. <clears throat> uh, yes. So, we should probably jump to the next important scene, which is uh, the attack on the Ox Caravan, right? Yeah. Uh, you want to take this one? Yeah, they're dri driving their cattle over the mountain. Yeah, and, uh, they're... I think they're they've waiting uh, for... delivered iron and has, have traded it yeah. for rice or something. Yeah, rice and cattle. Um... And they're waiting for the wolves to come, because you see they are very armed with uh, guns and uh, rockets, are they? Uh, yeah. Yeah, some kind of a launcher, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and the wolf attacks, and they they're just uh, tearing them apart. Uh, they just wanna uh, take them off the cliff so they can have some food. Yeah, and these are big wolves, like. Yeah. Uh, there's one scene later where one of the smaller wolves just picks up a dead ox and just carries it in his mouth. 
So that kind of gives us perspective of how large and strong these wolves are. So yeah, uh, continue. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, and then they uh, they shoot the one wolf, the mother, is it? Yeah, and it goes tumbling off a cliff like Lord of the Rings, Aragorn. Yeah, and just uh, stoops down. Uh, and you can see them backing off them, uh, the other wolves. Um... Regrouping. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Uh, and you said they, um, the wolves were just massac uh, massacring uh, the caravan. And it is true, but uh, the caravan is also extremely well organized. Because they're ready for this. They know this is going to happen and everyone has a job in the caravan. There are the yeah. ox, uh, the people who, who drive the oxes, and then there are the people who are meant to protect them. And the reason why the wolves are able to just barrel through them is that the protectors are useless, basically. Or all except uh, Lady Abushi. Yeah. And uh, she's kind of the reason. Uh, why they're so well armed, why they're so well organized. And she has a uh, massive charisma, and uh, yeah, she. <laughs> uh, she is basically what nature needs to kill so that nature can go on being nature. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but also riding one of these wolves is uh, a girl, right? Yeah. Some. Yes. Or well, we don't know she's named San yet. Uh, the people just call her Mononoke Hime, right? No, yeah. wait. Yes, they call her Mononoke Hime. Yeah. Oh, uh, or in English, Wolf Princess, but that's not a correct translation. Because Wolf is Okami, and uh, I think Mononoke means spirit or something, so... Yeah, wolf think... spirit. Or no, I don't think wolf yeah, has well... anything to do with it. Hime is princess, you know, so... Yeah. I think it's just spirit princess, so I just think it's... Questionable translation, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so, um... There's a lot of casualties, let's just put it that way, and... The caravan just has to move forward because there's no way to save all the people that are just crashing into uh, the river below. It's too steep, the weather is too bad, and they just have to move forward and hope. Hope those who fell down survived and <laughs> can follow later. And that's where yeah, our hero comes Yeah, I think it in. was uh, four that yeah, they fell four. And uh, maybe many cattle. And... Yeah. yeah, four people fell down, probably... Maybe some others died uh, along the way. Yeah. They didn't fall down. But anyway, our main character comes across these people, and uh, he also comes across uh, uh, the wolf mother lying uh, by the river. Um, and she gets up and uh, 
regroups with her flock and uh, there's this weird scene where uh, San kind of sucks out the sucks at her wound and tries to uh, extract whatever bullet that's been lodged inside but I think she's unsuccessful yeah um, they say this uh, later in the movie yeah, yeah. and uh, Ashtaka tries to communicate with them um, but he's promptly ignored and uh, Just left there, I guess. What do you think about uh, the scene? Is it love at first sight? Uh, I think he's fascinated. I think it's uh, the same as when Tormund sees Brian of Tarth, right? <laughs> he sees something extremely awesome and furiously wild and beautiful, and he's fascinated by it. When Kirito sees Asuna. Well, no. Um, <laughs> Kirito was too aw uh, awkward to even talk to Asuna at first. So. Yeah. And Asuna was too Sundere to uh, <laughs> admit that she liked him. Um, but anyway. Um, yeah. Sidetracked. <clears throat> yeah, Ashtaka saves two guys that fell down. And um, he brings them back to uh, their fortress. Yeah. And uh, before this, you uh, you see these uh, mushroom guys, uh, small, tiny uh, spirits. Yeah, they have a name, right? Mm, yeah. I don't remember the name, but it's basically tiny spirits that. Uh, Bone-headed yeah. that make this weird sound. Yeah, kind of like a rattlesnake, but not like a rattlesnake at all. I don't know. Yeah, like the you know the the bong bong uh, drum. Oh, really? Well, yeah. Oh, maybe not. Well, maybe. Yeah. And um, and the guy that's wounded, uh, he says, uh, "These are bad spirits." Yes, well, I did notice that, because um, all the people that live in this highly industrial little fortress at Lady Ibushi, whatever she's called, uh, yeah. has made, um, they're highly superstitious, a lot of them. They all believe in, like, this forest spirit that's going to come and kill them, and I find that kind of weird. Or I find that kind of ironic, I guess, that they've uh, embraced technology, but they're so terrified of uh, nature's retribution. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think we're maybe talking a little much about uh, <laughs> all the things that are happening, so uh, let's just uh, hurry on ahead. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we get to the fortress. Um, they are well received, uh, albeit with some uh, suspicions, because apparently they've crossed, crossed through a cursed forest uh, faster than uh, the main party was able to move. And I find that line very stupid indeed, 
because if they got here, how were how 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 would he assume that he made it in half the time? I mean, he's he's already arrived, right? Yeah. So I guess they traveled at the same speed. Well, <laughs> I found that a little mind-boggling, at least. Um, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, uh, Ashtaka finds out that it's Lady Eboshi and her weapons that are responsible for why the... Uh, the boar. Yeah, why the boar attacked and why it went crazy. Because she's invented some kind of uh, poisonous bullet that she shoots these animals with. Which makes them uh, slowly and steadily die. And yeah, it's probably guys. just iron. Because yeah. iron is uh, deadly and... Maybe it could be lead, right? Yeah, I don't lead know. Lead poisoning too? Yeah. Probably not pure iron. Because then um, Jinko would be able to say, oh, that's just iron. You should go there and have that looked at, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, long story short, Sun attacks. It's a trap. Ashtaka saves her. They run away together. Uh, slowly and steadily they trust each other they save each other and then it leads to a final confrontation where all where all the boars attack uh, the humans and there's a big standoff all the boars die uh, the deer spirit that we haven't even mentioned uh, is summoned to kind of uh, put these animals at peace. Yeah. And while he's summoned, he's, uh, uh, the humans attempt to kill him and are successful in their eyes, at least. Yeah, first they shoot him in the head yeah, when he's uh, the deer god. Yes. And, when, and just about when he transforms to the... Uh, what do you call it? Death God? No. Nightwalker, I think. Yeah, I don't Nightwalker. Know. They shoot him in the head, and then they killed him. Or... Yeah, I think it's something about he can only be damaged under his transformation. Yeah. And there's quite an elaborate hunt for him. It's like a... Yeah. Um, it's basically just... Uh... The solution to uh, this this problem, this dare god, is we just have to kill the Batman, right? Like, uh, cut off the head and then it'll solve all our problems. Yeah. And I think pride is the biggest, uh, is the reason for most people's downfall in this movie. Like, uh, the local lord... He's way too proud. He doesn't want uh, Eboshi's steelworks making more money than him. Yeah. So he attacks it. And he loses horribly. Well, first and the boars uh... are also way too proud. 
they know it's a trap. They know they're walking into a trap and they go out on an all-out charge against uh, running straight into the guns of uh, Lady Eboshi and they're just wiped out, a lot of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were saying? Yeah, uh, I missed it. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, it uh, slipped my head. Something. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about uh, Lady Eboshi's uh, stronghold. Yeah. It has an interesting um, hierarchy, I guess. Yeah, the women are the... Or the workers. Uh, I think it's kind of a, a branch of communism, I guess. And it'll only work as long as um, as long as they're making money, and as long as Lady Aboshi is ruthless as she is. Yeah. Because she has assigned everyone to do their job, the, the job they're best suited to. So she's given all the women as tough a labor as they can handle. Then she's tasked the men to guard, mostly. And probably do some, uh, like, tree cutting and mining and so on and so forth. Yeah. And then she pays... I don't think she pays any, anyone. I think she just supplies them with food, supplies them with shelter, supplies them with... Uh, safety yeah and it all just works on that basis um, and she's very compassionate too because she cares about people she cares about uh, people that the world has treated badly right yeah uh, she gives jobs to the terminally ill she uh, basically says that she's bought up a bunch of uh, contracts from the local bordels so the women don't have to sell their bodies they can work for her instead hmm. so basically what I'm saying is I think she's the most interesting character in this film I don't know if you disagree but well, she was the. If you look at it uh, away, she. You she can is the tell. main antagonist, I guess. Yeah, but that's just a label. Yeah, but I don't think she's uh, bad because she's no. only doing what she believes in. Yeah. And she believes in progress. And she believes in equality. And she believes in protecting the people. Yes, her people. Yeah, her people. I don't think there are any bad people in this movie. Um, no, everyone just does what they believe in. Yeah. And I don't think this film pushes the narrative that any one way is necessarily wrong. Like, um... Our main character obviously has the opinion that the steelworks have gone way too far. And I probably agree, because, let's face it, it looks like when Saruman was breeding orcs in Isengard, <laughs> the area around, they've cut, cut down all the trees, just looks like a reamed out patch. 
Yeah, the apes comes out uh, every night to plant uh, new trees. Yeah, and that's basically the crux of it. It's, uh, Eboshi wants to expand, uh, but the animals are fighting back. So yeah. she believes if she kills the dare god, um, the animals lose their intelligence in a way. And so they won't be able to fight back and she'll win. Yeah, no, I think she's right. Yeah, she's probably right, but I don't think she knows what she's messing with when she decides to... Or I think it's just an allegory for... You, you can't fight nature because a tsunami will come and just wipe away your entire steelworks and then you have to start from scratch again. Yeah. So all of the themes in this movie are very... Very relevant today too. It's like global warming, like our problem with too much plastic, all those those kinds of things. Yeah, and I thought it was very great uh, in telling the story of how you should care about the environment, and it it wasn't overly done, you know, when. Uh... You have to be like this to save the environment, and you just have to go a little extra to save it. Yeah, and I think um, it basically at the end tells us that the steelworks aren't necessarily wrong, because the steelworks make so many lives so much better. Human lives, that is. And that Ashtonka decides to, that he can live there afterwards, basically gives them the nod that okay, you can continue what you were doing, maybe not at war with nature, but... Yeah, in a less scale. In, of, a, uh, in a sustainable uh, yeah. sustainable manner. Um, yeah. You want to talk about uh, Sam? Ooh. Yeah. Princess Mononoke. A wolf girl. Yes, she is. Uh, we don't actually know a lot about her. No, we just know uh, that uh, the wolf mother Moro has adopted her. Yeah, she was cast uh, aside when uh, the wolves attacked uh, uh, people before, and they cast the baby away to save themselves. So she's Mowgli. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Well, I, I felt a little like that. Um, she but thinks she's a wolf, though. That's the that's the funny yeah. thing. And by her thinking she's a wolf, um, all of the superstitious uh, people at the steelworks actually think she's like some kind of demon possessed by a wolf. But she's actually just a normal girl. I believe, at least. Right? Yeah. I think she's just uh, a normal girl brought up by wolves that think she's a wolf. Yeah. And who is very agile and very skilled, but uh, still a normal girl. She's probably been training uh, the whole time, keeping up with the wolves. And... Yeah, and she's probably been hunting her own food. food. Yeah. Uh, you think... What kind of feelings do you think she developed for uh, Ashtaka? Well, there definitely was feelings there, but 
uh, it was not uh, enough to make her leave the forest. Well, no, she would never have left the forest. No. So... But maybe Ashtaka could have lived in the forest. I don't know. But I think the main problem is that he is a human and she hates all humans, or initially she hates all humans. Yeah. I definitely think she liked his gift. But I think she's a little too impulsive because when Ashtaka saves uh, Lady Eboshi, uh, she begs him to kill her, kill her uh, to let her kill her, and he refuses. And she ends up stabbing Ashtaka instead. And she could have killed him if he hadn't been. Uh, if the infection hadn't uh, actually have, uh, spread to his chest and made like this, these patches of. Uh, Armor. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. And Ashtaka does this a lot. He's like, uh, you know which side he is on, but sometimes he just walks between conflicts and tries to end them. And uh, the winning party always ends up uh, disliking him for it. Because he does this with, with uh, San and uh, Lady Eboshi in their first encounter too. Yeah, and then he ends up punching them in in the belly and uh... yeah, just knocking them out harmlessly yeah. and uh, carrying San to uh, to safety and got shot. Yeah, um, but do you think he saves San because he thinks she is the key, or like she can lead him to to the to the one that can uh, release the curse. Yeah. At first. So. But he also thinks that Lady Eboshi is wrong in how she handles the environment, I think. Having first hand yeah. seen what it has done to the spore. The madness that took it. And he gets a lot of, like, this. this prophecy kind of advice, like, uh, go west and see with your eyes unclouded and all those kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> and one of uh, Lady Eboshi's uh, gunmakers say something similar. I think he has a leper or something. Yeah, it was covered up by bandages. So... Yeah, it, I think it's and, leper. Yeah, and you? first I thought it was uh, the similar curse that Ashitaka had. No, I think it's like a, yeah. a G, the Jesus time leper. Uh, Spadalsk. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> but he. But I don't think he. I don't think these. This advice matters, but that, because I think he's a person that would have done this regardless, and I think that's the good thing about him. He's not following some set prophecy because he would already be following it regardless if he heard those words or not. Like, he's not gonna come to the steelworks and not judge 
and not be able to see what's what would be the right decision, I think. Well, uh, he was uh, very good when uh, he's handling the women's women's <laughs> women, yeah, yeah. In the in the steelwork when he, he take over one girl's job so she can rest, and uh, and you know the women in the movie is so empowering, uh, and it's like, it's very great to see. Yeah, I think you don't uh, get that a lot. I think it's because all of the men in in the steelworks are basically either idiots or kind of uh, passive, I guess. I don't know. I think it's rare to see someone with real confidence and <laughs> looking so good as he does, like, with such skill. Yeah. I think they're fascinated by that. Yeah, so... Um, we did mention pollution. Um, but there's no flying in this movie, so... No. And it's a classic uh, Ghibli. Or Miyazaki, you know. Yes, uh... he loves flying. Yeah. And he's so good at uh, animating it, too. Like Yeah. The ground uh, to air. Seen, uh, uh... Porco Rosso? Uh, no, I haven't. Whoa. We should uh, do, uh, do that next. It's uh, my favorite Ghibli movie. Well, we probably have a look at that. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's no, uh, there's pollution, there's no flying. Um, but I guess it basically makes up for it with all the running scenes of him riding the wolves, him, uh, him riding his elk animal thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty cool. Yakur, I think he's called. Yeah. Um, okay, so, um. Huh. What are your favorite scenes from this movie? Well, you have to uh, pick the hands and uh, have decapitation. <laughs> it was animated so well. Yes, I uh, guess. Um... And... And even though it's very seriously, uh, it's kind of funny in a way, too. You know, you don't see yeah, that a lot. Yeah, it was very funny, actually. It was morbidly funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think also um, one of the more badass scenes is when uh, this uh, boar god, Nago, is just filled with fire arrows and then he just shakes them all off because it doesn't phase him. Because that basically makes it that more more uh, significant that when he was shot with this uh, poisonous bullets, he went insane. Yeah. Hmm. But there are definitely some weird scenes in this movie too, so we should probably touch on them. Did it become yeah. too weird at points? Mm. Yeah. When, for example, when... Uh, the wolf's head started moving at its own, at its own accord and just bit <laughs> off uh, Lady Eboshi's hand. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know the it's not so weird. 
Uh, yeah, he did. Have, uh, she did say she was gonna do it. She was gonna. Yeah. No matter what it take. Took. Okay, how about uh, when the Dare God loses its head and uh, it just uh, turns into this uh, blob of uh, liquid mass that expands and tries to engulf everything around <laughs> it? That wasn't too weird? No, not really, because uh, the Nightwalker was kind of similar okay. in, uh, in a big blob. But, How about uh, the, the spaghetti monster of a of a boar that showed up in the first uh, few minutes? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, definitely weird. Okay, yeah, I thought that was pretty weird when I saw it first time. Um, it was probably more weird scenes, right? Yeah. Uh, when some uh, disappears inside the the cursed uh, boar. Oh yeah, yeah, I guess. But I think that was just par for the course at that point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you found out why the Emperor wanted his head rights and why... Why uh, uh, Lady Abosha... Whatever Abosha. she was, Abosha, uh Decided to uh, work work with uh, with Jinko. Yeah, of course. Eboshi uh, wanted to be left alone to uh, expand in her own. Yeah, I think it was just mutual benefits. Like, yeah, both of them wanted their gods gone, and uh, Junko wanted his head because the emperor believed it would give him eternal life or something. Yeah. Which in this case, different from Sword of the Stranger, would probably be true because, I mean, this head has incredible magical properties. I just don't think it would be possible to harness those powers. No, because the, you see the, the blob finding it. But uh, when, when the sun comes up, it goes away. Was it that? Yeah, something. Yeah. It disappears. Yeah, but so. not before it has wiped out the entire steelworks and just made uh, the forest blossom again. Yeah. Okay. Um. And you know that's uh else? yeah yeah when uh, when the ironworks village is under siege and. Um, Eboshi says uh, they can handle themselves. I trained them to be uh, confident uh, women. Yeah, but she's not going to make it back in time. No. And she know she's very intelligent. She knows that Ashtaka uh, told her men uh, that they were under attack, so they would probably be going back. And I don't think she considered herself being there as a uh, or she was going to get there in time, so... Either she thought that her side would already have won the battle, or that there was nothing she could do for them, either way. 
but she too also comes becomes obsessed with uh, killing the bear god, the dare god in the end. And uh, <laughs> Pride takes another wick victim, and she loses her hand for it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So. Um, the music. Else? Oh yeah, the music. Oh. It's, uh, it's the classic uh, Joe Hisaishi. Oh, excuse the pronunciation. <laughs> That's probably fine. Uh, it's not my favorite Ghibli score. Because I don't think it's very memorable. Or well, I don't uh, think it's memorable should... in itself. I think there are a few memorable songs, but... I think Spirited Away is far more memorable. And... Uh, even such a bad film as Kiki's Delivery Service has more memorable music than this. Yeah. Or uh, not a bad film, I really film, enjoyed the, film, I the, the opening. I think it was uh, Ashitaka's team or yeah. something. But um, they used the music very right. You know, when later the in the parts when they got darker, you know, you have more uh, higher speed and uh, not so playful. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. They up the tempo in the dramatic yeah. parts. Um. Yeah, so, um... But the music feels just right, you know, uh, all over the movie. But it, as you say, it's not so memorable, but... So where would you yeah. rank this? Like... Yeah, top five Ghibli movie. <laughs> top five? <laughs> What's that supposed <laughs> to mean? Yeah, no. A top three. Top uh, three? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, top five. It's definitely top, five. top three for me, but I think it's uh, I think it's basically three Ghibli movies that are heads and shoulders above the rest. So yeah, and I don't know if I could distinguish distinguish them from each other because it all depends on my mood. Because this is a far more interesting story than Spirited Away, but. I appreciate what Spirited Away does. And this is also a far more interesting character, or a cooler character than in Spirited Away. But I think the journey in Spirited Away is far more interesting than this journey. So, there's a lot of elements to take in there, and I don't want to unpack them all right now. <laughs> yeah. We can do it when we finally get to Spirited Away. Yeah. Uh. Okay, um, one final thing, or maybe more, who knows. Um, when you would describe this film to your non-otaku friends, what would be your pitch, right? So, I usually say, well, it's the Animal Kingdom's take on uh, The Last Samurai, right? <laughs> you have... Uh, <laughs> bunch of animal tribes that just uh, uh, 
goes against uh, the industry of uh, Japan and tries to head-on charge their way to victory. <laughs> and just get slaughtered in the process. That's of course the layman terms, because there's a lot of a lot more underlying uh, topics, but that's just what I say. Yeah, you know, the last time I writing, the, uh, that's very accurate. But I haven't uh, so much uh, animal references movie that I can tie it into, so... Yeah, we'll just I, go also, with your... I also think uh, Avatar is a pretty accurate thing. Yeah. Uh, both inferior movies, I think, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, um, I think Avatar is a very good description too. For the non-initiated. Um, well, it's kind of the... Yeah, it's basically a bunch of... I think it's kind of a metaphor for a bunch of samurai tribes that go together against industrialized Japan. Yeah. Okay, um, are we done, or is there anything else you want to touch on? Yeah, not that I can uh, remember. Because I always forget things. Um, yeah. Oh, basically, one more thing. Um, the ending, did you feel fulfilled? Well... <laughs> I wanted a sequel uh, to uh, know how uh, Ashitaka and uh, San is uh, doing. Yes, I, uh, think, I think that's basically one of the film's weaknesses. I think there's yeah. like a, I hate using this expression, but there's like a Chekhov's gun there because, and it's basically just like a, if there's a gun somewhere, it has to be shot in the next part of this play, or it wouldn't make sense. So I think there's a few things that are unresolved and things that need to come into action again. Like maybe he should be able to go back to his village or something of that sort, or he settled down with San. One of those things would have need to happen for me to be fulfilled or feel fulfillment. And be truly satisfied with the ending, but uh, that didn't happen, so here we are. Yeah. And I also think uh, it's a multi-layered movie. Uh, you have to see it more than one time to to get to see the... Well, the characters are so multi-faced. Uh, yeah, that's not the right word. Yeah, well, uh, they're real people, right? Or they, yeah. they try to portray real people, so therefore they're multifaceted. Yeah. I would hope. Um... Yeah, uh, we can probably leave it at this, right? Yeah. It's probably the worst Mononoke Hima podcast ever, but yeah, it's okay. Okay, well, we'll be back before you expect, probably. In the moonlight I felt your heart Quiver like a bowstring's
Like the blue.